is able and he is worthy. Holy, you are so we come before you and give you back what is yours, Lord. We pray that you would bless the offering, bless the giver, Lord. Just, uh, Father, bless everything they do. Bless them in their work. Bless them in their giving. Bless them in their trusting you with their finances, Lord. You are trustworthy, and we are just giving back to you what is yours, Lord. So as we come to this time of offering, help us to do it with cheerful hearts. Because we know that you are worthy, you are holy, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. As the offering.
as you all know, I'm the daycare director and have been for the last 16 years. And this last Friday, um, well, let me back up. I get up early and I take the kids to school. And we added an extra school so that we could cover some of the extra kids that were going to a different school. And um, everybody, all the kids know that when we get in the van in the morning that we pray and we ask the Lord to watch over us as we go to school. We ask the Lord to watch over the children while they're at school and to bring them home safely. And we pray for their parents so that they know that we love their parents and we, we want to cover them as well. So we've been doing this for quite a while since school started. And um, Friday, Dara was kind of, she's our after-school director and my daughter, and sometimes she gets busy with parents or she'll get busy with something and I find myself in the after-school room taking care of the after-school kids. And so Friday, I was like sitting in there and I was thinking, oh, I've got so much to do and here she is talking to parents and I need to be out in the hall and she needs to be in here. And sometimes God just knows better where you need to be. So I'm sitting at the desk, and I'm writing out all the kids' names on our transition sheet so that um, I know everybody's there and everybody's present for everything that we do. And all of a sudden, and Linda, you need to listen to this because it involves your little Navier. All of a sudden, a new child, Navier, comes up to me, and he says, Mrs. Brigham, there is a painting that I saw in the church, and it's about Jesus. And I said, yes, Navier, there is one. And that's when Jesus had his last supper. Well, why did he have his last supper? Well, because God had a plan, and he wanted Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. Well, as we went on, he began to ask me all kinds of questions. Well, why would he do that? And you know, when a child reaches the age where they begin to ask questions, it's time for prayer. So in my, in my mind, I'm saying, Lord, help me to answer them just so that he understands them. And I'm not way up here on a, on a too high level. So as he started asking them, other children began to come forward and just listen. I guess they thought I was telling a story because they all come when you tell a story. So I began to explain to Navier about what Jesus' purpose was here on the earth. And as I explained it, I got to the very end and I said, he loved you so much that he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many hairs are on your head and your head and your head. And all but two, it was Navier and another little girl, went back and started playing again. And so I said, Navier, do you have Jesus in your heart? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart and live right here in your heart? He said, no, I don't think so. I said, well, would you like to ask him to come and live in your heart? And he had this look on his face that was like frowny. It was really frowny. And I said, let's, let's pray. Would you like to pray? He said, yes. I said, well, then let's pray, and let's ask Jesus to come into your heart. So I took both of his hands, and he bowed his head, 
and we prayed the sinner's prayer. And when I got done, it was almost like electricity went through my hands. I could feel that there was something different in this little boy's life. When he looked up at me, he had the biggest smile on his face that I've ever seen. And it was almost like a light was just shining in his face. And while he was standing there, he turned around, and there was a little girl standing behind him, a little kindergartner. And she looked at him, and she said, well, I want to do that, too. I don't want him to just do that. I want to do that, too. So I said, well, would you like me to pray with you, too? Yes. So I held her hands, and I led her to the Lord. And, you know, after it was all over with, I got to really spanking myself because I thought God needed me to be right here, to be his hands, to be his feet, to be what he wanted me to be. And this is a rough time for me right in here because I lost my husband a year ago today. And it just seemed like God took Friday and Saturday and Sunday to show me that everything was okay that there was still his presence in my life and that I could still minister. And I want you as a congregation to pray for these families of this little girl and this little boy. There's a lot going on in both of their families. The little girl's life is kind of topsy-turvy right now. She has an aunt that got in trouble. The children were taken away. And now the three kids live with the aunt. And she's to the point, it's always been her and mommy, and she's very jealous of the little kids that have come to stay and have taken her mommy away. So I need you to pray for them, that God will give me the opportunity to reach out and touch these families right now in their time of need. I don't know about Navier's family, but I know that they need prayer as well. And I'm just asking you as a congregation to pray for the daycare because God is beginning to move in the daycare. I don't know what's going to happen, but God has a promise that he gave me years ago when I first came to this church, and it was through Mary's sister. She handed me a piece of paper in the middle of a prayer that she prayed. And she said, Darlene, I believe the Lord is speaking to my heart. And the end of your life is going to be bigger than it has ever been. And if God can use me in that way, then I want to be open to it. And I know a lot of you want to be open to that as well. Don't close it off. When you feel the Lord speaking to your heart, and your heart begins to pound, he's wanting to use you. Go and be the glove. Let him be the glove on your hand that will reach out to all these people that need prayer. Because they need it. They live in a very, very ugly world. We see it every day. We've probably got more grandparents raising their grandchildren than I've ever seen in my whole life. And I've been in this for over 40 years. So pray for them. Let them be a part of your heart where you can reach out to them and pray for them. They need your prayers. Thank you. Well, we are supposed to be having a guest preacher today who is on his way from Sarasota Baptist. 
How many of you have ever been under anesthesia? Wow. Um, when you're under anesthesia, you have no idea what's going on. You are. And uh, I had planned to be here today to preach while I was under anesthesia. My wife called uh, Brother Art Hallett and asked him to come here and preach today. And uh, he said that he would. And, uh, um, but he had a, a commitment uh, to help with the worship and to sing a song at his church, Sarasota Baptist. So uh, he's on his way. I just want to say this. Um, <clears throat> I've been after, uh, I've been you know, talking, with, I shouldn't say I've been after Gina, but I've been talking with Gina over the last couple months about getting Art here to tell us a little bit more about the ministry from, from his vantage point, from his perspective. But he's been very busy, been traveling all over the United States and even out of the country uh, for the last few months. And, and I was even surprised that Mary got a hold of him and he was able to be available today. But, well... Here, I, I just saw, I just saw somebody. Come on, brother. But you know, this church, this church believes strongly in in the in the uh, uh, in Art Hallett Ministries. Hey, make him rest. You got to sit down, brother. I am going to sit down. I'm going to rest gonna, that back. And you're going to you're going to feed me this morning. Amen. God is good. I'm going <laughs> to feed me too. God is good. Look at those smiling faces. What a beautiful well, place to be. We're, we're excited because we share, you know, you guys give your offerings every Sunday. And, um, and right off the top of that money that's brought in, 17% of it goes into the missions account. And every, every month for the last quite a number of years, we send that uh, Brother Arts Ministry a check. And um, uh, for a small church, the small church that we are, the check that we send is pretty big, and uh, and but but the reason we do that is because we hear the testimonies about people coming to Jesus. We get a lot of bang for our buck, hey, don't we, that's brother? Right. <laughs> it's a tremendous investment. You can't beat the investment. Thank God you. bless you, brother. Thank you, brother Larry. I'll just walk. Let him walk slow. Walk easy. We are not Superman. Amen. All right. Hey, play this song, I'm going to sing a song, and then the Lord has uh, been dealing with me all morning, all night, and I'm going to share something encouraging with you, and uh, I hope you'll, you'll get it. Go ahead, Tim. When we talk about what we're going to talk about today, and God ministers to us, the bottom line is, when it's all over, you know you got to leave this flesh. When your life is over, what impact will you have had on the world? When it's all said and done, what does your life speak for? When it's all said and done, I believe God's got something good for us. When it's all been said, Just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for Christ? Did I live my life 
right here. You turn it on? Oh, oh yeah, right, gotcha. Oh, I thought you meant you turn the PowerPoint on. It's on. This is on. I give you two more seconds. Maybe 30 seconds. But uh, I want to talk to you today. Let me hear you first say, I am the church. The church it's not this building. Okay, but I am the church. The church that Christ speaks of is a church that has flesh. It's not a, a church of mortar, but it's a church of flesh and a church that is born of his spirit. And so it's important. There we go. Now you got it. Okay, now let me do the, let me do the rest. Let me see if I can do it here. I got to remember this one, Pastor Larry. There we go. Oh, that's that song I, was, I just sang. Okay, here we go. All right. In the book of Revelations, and I want to set this up before we get into the text today, but in the book of Revelations, Jesus speaks to the church. And he speaks to seven churches in the book of Revelations. 
And then out of those seven churches, there's only two churches out of the seven churches that he didn't have anything but good to say about. But yet, there were five of those churches that he said, you know what, you're, doing, you're making some ground, you're doing this good, you're doing that good. He says, but I have this against you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I could choose which church I'm going to be a part of, it wouldn't be one of those five churches. <laughs> Amen. And I believe today that we have a choice. Who's the church? All right. You and I have a choice that we can be one of these seven churches. And I submit to you that for me, this is not the church I want to be of. This, the, one of the churches he spoke of was the loveless church. The loveless church had lost their first love. You know, they were doing a lot of good stuff. They were, they were acting in faith and, and making some strides. And by all presence, it looks like this church was doing a good work. But he said that they had lost their first love. They needed to get back to the basics. <laughs> you understand? They needed to get back to the basics. They had just started doing stuff, but they hadn't been doing stuff under the leadership and the power and the authority of their first love, who is Christ. And you and I, as the church, we can do that. We can do things in our lives that are void of Christ and really think that we've got it going on. Jesus said, you're doing some good stuff, but I have this against you. And then you've lost your first love. Then there was a compromising church. They embraced false doctrine. Now, you don't have to worry about that in this church because you got Pastor Larry. You ain't going to be no compromising here. This brother going to make sure that you do not embrace false doctrine because he's a teacher on top of teachers. Y'all give y'all pastor a hand. Come on, give him, give him some love. I travel all over this country, and I know this, that, that Pastor Larry Woomer, this man be teaching the word. So y'all on target. But the compromising church was a church that compromised with the world's standards. They knew what was right, but yet they went along with the world's standards. And if we're not careful as a church, each individual, each one of us individually, we can do that. We can compromise with the world's standards. Because the world says, it's your thing, do what you want to do. And the world will pat you on the back for stuff that God says, nah, I'm not patting you on the back. But the world will pat us on the back. We have to be very careful in this day and age. Because one thing will trump another. Y'all didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all missed it. Uh, you got it. <laughs> it's, all, it's all messed up. Now, then there's the corrupt church. The corrupt church, they practice idol worship, sexual immorality. They had Jezebel in the church, and she was leading people down the wrong path. And so uh, the corrupt church was a church that God, even in this corrupt church, they were doing some good stuff. They made some strides, but God says, but I have this against you. You're practicing idol worship. You're not worshiping me, but you're worshiping things. You're worshiping anything that's going to feed your, uh, your feelings and your emotions. You're not basing things on my word. You're not basing things under my forgiveness. We have a God who is a forgiving God, a merciful God. And when you lose and miss his mercy and forgiveness, you have, an, you have a, a, a sense of putting yourself above God and you won't even know it. Worshiping yourself, worshiping your intellect, worshiping your power, worshiping the authority that God has given you instead of submitting all things unto the Lord. 
And then there was the dead church. They were professing but not possessing perfection. Uh, this church, you know, they, they, were, they knew all the buzzwords and everything. But they were not possessing perfection. They thought they were perfect. They thought they were doing everything just right. Well, well, what's the problem? We're doing everything just right. But God says you're professing but not really possessing. That was the dead church. We're alive. That's what they said. They were like, we're alive. Woo, they're probably singing those songs. Alive, 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 alive. We're alive. And God said, you think you're alive, but you did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> and then there was the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church was wealthy, and they were without need of God. Here's a church that had, you know, $50 million building. Here's a church that had all types of money. They had, man, they, nobody was in need in this church. They had it all together. They didn't have any need of God because they had all the money they need. They had all the blessings they need, and they took that, and they used it for their own pleasures, and they were with need of God. And God said, look, you lukewarm. You think you hot. He said, but you lukewarm. He said, be hot or be cold, but if you're lukewarm, he says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. God was saying, look, you need to be all the way hot and on fire for me or be all the way cold and dead. But don't be in the middle. In the middle, I've been there. I don't know about you, but I've been a lukewarm Christian. I've, done, I've experienced that in my life where I'm like, okay, well, I'm in the middle. You know, I, I'm not all bad. I got this going. I got that going. And, uh, you know, I, I did this right. And I'm not perfect. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle. God said, be perfect as I am perfect. Well, God, I can't be perfect. He knows that. That's why we have Jesus Christ. But yet we, we use that as an excuse for being lukewarm. And God says, be hot or be cold. And now in my life, I just choose as a person of faith to always stay hot. How do you stay hot, Pastor Larry? It's really quite simple. Stay repentant. Stay humble. Recognize that you don't know nothing and that you're always growing and God have mercy on me, a sinner, and stay in the presence of God and in the presence of God's people and stay ready to act on whatever God calls you to act on under the leadership of this church. You'll stay hot. You'll be on fire. When I was uh, doing youth group back in the day, I remember those young, young, uh, young folk that were like hot and on fire. Everybody that I, I worked with under my youth group, they are either in ministry or they're doing their missions or ministers. Because I remember they came in to youth serve. They were hot. They were like, okay, what's next? Their eyes were big. They were like, they were like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, man, they're like, put us in the fire. We'll do it. We'll do it. And these guys are preachers and teachers. I'm serious. They're all preachers and teachers, and some of the girls are married to, to pastors and leaders, and, and they know how to keep them on fire and keep them hot. Be hot or be ye cold. But check this out. Now, here, here's a church. The persecuted church is a church that God had nothing but good to say about it. Now, I'll tell y'all, out of these two churches, I wouldn't volunteer to be a part of the persecuted church. <laughs> I wouldn't say, okay, Lord, let me be persecuted. That's not something that I'd jump in there and be volunteering for. But if I had to be a part of the persecuted church, I'd go ahead and I'd be hot and on fire and say, okay, Lord, I don't, though you may slay me, yet will I serve you. I don't like this. So I'm, I'm not hoping that you, that you are part of the persecuted church. But this is what he said about the persecuted church. He said, you will be tried and tested by the world and some will be thrown into jail. 
It's not, a, not an easy road to go when you're part of the persecuted church. He said, poor by the world's standard, but rich by God's standard. And then he said, you will experience God's grace and blessings during the persecution and a reward in the end. Now, if I had to be a part of the persecuted church, I know that this is a faithful church. I know that this is a church that has experienced some extreme hard times, but I know that I know the outcome. I know that they win in the end. I know that God is glorified from this church. So if you have to be a part of the persecuted church, then understand there's a reward for you. But here's the church right here, the faithful church. How many of you would like to be a part of the faithful church? Amen. That's, if, I, if I have my druthers, if I can choose which church I want to be a part of, this is the church I'll be a part of. Look, he says, I know your works. See, I see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake, and I can't read the last part, when I am weak, then I am strong. If your church is real weak right now, you are at the strongest point in your career as a, as a faithful Christian, as a person of faith. You're at the strongest point. When you feel like you want to give up, the, weak, the weaker you are, the stronger you are. When, when the devil tries to come against you, just remind him what Paul said. When I am weak, I am strong. When you're frustrated, when you're confused, whatever the situation is, you're dealing with family and, and things are happening in family that you're just wishing that would be turned. Listen, when you are weak, you are strong. He goes on to say this. He says, have kept my word with a little strength and have not denied my name. And he goes on to say, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I submit to you that right now we're right in stab in the eye of the storm. We're right in the center of an, of an hour of trial. We're being tested from left and right. We have to choose this one or choose that one. And it's hard to know which one to choose because they're all bad. Everything is all messed up. <laughs> it's like all messed up. But nonetheless, choose God and you'll choose right. Choose God and you'll choose right. Whatever your choice is, choose God. As we choose God, we'll choose right. And we can be a part of the faithful church. Now, in Hebrews, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto who? Looking unto who? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Christ's first command was to follow me and I'll become and you'll become fishers of men. His last command was to go and make disciples. Now he didn't tell us to go and make converts. He didn't say when you get all strong and everything that you go convert people to your way. He said go and make disciples. Now Webster's definition of a disciple is a disciple is one who follows and assists the spreading and the teaching of another. So as disciples of Christ, we have to go as the Lord sends us out. We go where? Into our family. We need to teach our children. 
We need to go into our workplace and we need to look for opportunities to teach those who are hungry for the word, who may say, can you study with me on lunch hour? I want to read my Bible. We've got to come out of this complacency. We've got to come out of this attitude, well, I'm, I'm just a Christian when I'm in church. No, you are, if you are a child of God, you are a Christian everywhere you are with every opportunity that God gives you. And in some cases, God don't give you those opportunities. He just wants you, your presence to be enough. In other cases, God wants us to take action, be his witnesses. And being witness means to do that, be his witnesses. And how do we witness? With everything you got. With everything you got, that's how you witness. You just don't be ashamed of your faith. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all folks who would believe. That's what Paul said. You and I have to be witnesses everywhere, in every situation. And always watch yourself, because someone's always watching you. Never think that, okay, nobody will see what, what I'm doing right now. You're wrong, wrong, wrong. Just when you thought that nobody was paying attention and you got mad and had an attitude, you cursed somebody out. Next thing you know, you, you run into that person again in church. <laughs> you be like, oops. They, they see you in church and you were out there cursing somebody out. They see you in church. Listen, be his witnesses at all times. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 9, uh, there were four lepers. And this is the story of those four lepers. Let's very quickly read through it. It says, Now there were four lepers men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we also die. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall die. And then they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, they, uh, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of the great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against the kings of the, of the Hittites and the, against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. So... They arose and fled at twilight and left the camp, camp in tank, tack. Uh, in their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they also fled, so they fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into the tent and to the tent, and they ate and they drank and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing. <clears throat> and they went and they hid all that good stuff. Then they came back and entered another Tiso and carried some from there also and went and hid it as well. Then they said to one another, y'all know we wrong. Y'all see that right there? They looked at each other. They said, you know we wrong. You know we wrong. They say, this day is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. You have to understand that God's people were fighting and warring against the, the Syrians and the lepers guys were outside of the camp like they said and last thing you do as a leper is you don't go into a camp. It's like that's why they, they put, you guys know, know how it was with lepers. But then they, they were going to go in because they said, well, we're going to die and starve out here. Let's just go on inside. We might, if we're going to die, if they're going to kill us, let them kill us. At least I, I'll be 
I'll be, maybe I might be fed. So they go in, and to their surprise, God has been working on behalf of his folk and have scared them off. Do you know what? God is always working on your, on, in your favor. God is always working for the good of those who are, who are called by God, who love him, and who are called according to his purpose. When, you don't, when, you, when people are just talking about you behind your back and you don't even know it, God is working in that thing. God is always working in your favor, and, and many times we feel like we got to fight for something. Listen, let God fight your battles. Stop trying to make it happen and let God fight your battles like, like you see here. See, God will, will take the enemy and he'll make them think things. The last thing that you would, you would expect is that the Hittites, oh, Hines was just baffled, okay? But then they were all messed up and so they left. And so these uh, four lepers, they come into the camp. Now, the four lepers men could represent four types of people in the church. The title of this message or rather, these are the four types of people. You got scoffers, you got sitters, you got getters, and you got go-tellers. Now, I have been every one of those folk. I'm just going to get real. I'm going to keep it real. I've experienced every one of those situations. The title of this message is, If the Shoe Fits. Now, is your feet hurting right now? <laughs> now, listen, I want you all to, if you got tennis shoes on, untie your tennis shoes right now. Just un untie them. Because you'll have an opportunity to take off the shoe. If you're wearing one of these shoes, you may need to take one off. Because you may be walking around, and that's why you got bunions on your feet. Because you've been experiencing one of these uh, experiences in your life. Now, let's take a look at scoffers. A scoffer, uh, according, a scoffer is a ridiculer. They're a complainer. They're a mocker. They're scorners. Like I said, I've been there, done that. We're all maturing and we're all growing. And at some point in our life, we will experience different attitudes and different feelings in our relationship with God's church, the other church. Not just you, but with the other folk in the church. But a scoffer is a person that's always complaining. Well, I just wish the preacher would preach this message. And I, they just always got something to say. They're never happy about what's going on. They can always find something negative. <laughs> Be careful if you catch yourself all, never satisfied, always mocking or scorner. Listen, they said, why are we sitting here till we die? <laughs> why are we sitting here till we die? Let's just, we might as well go in there. Amen. Listen, this is what the Bible says about scoffers. It says, when scoffing stops, contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. If we have an attitude about something, the first person that we need to go to is God himself. We need to start leaving things at the cross and not at the foot of someone who's going to gossip what you, what you got to say to try to get your point across. I've been there, done that. I thought I, thought I was righteous. I thought I, I thought I had her. I was justified in complaining. Hey, man, God has called me to complain. <laughs> Say, no, that never happened to me. I've never felt like that. Well, I don't know. But look what the Bible says. When scoffing stops, contention will leave, yet strife and reproach will cease. If you get to a point where you feel like the, you're not getting enough message or you're not at the point that you're not being fed, I'm not being fed, it's time for you to start feeding. It's time for you to find out and use your gifts and talents and go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I need to get involved with something. 
because I'm just complaining and complaining in my mind and in my heart. I need to teach somebody what, you, what I've, I know. And once you start giving back what God has given you, you'll find that the more you give to God, the greater he gives to you. You cannot outgive God. But the more we give to God, the more he fills us up. The more he fills us up. And then there's the, uh, the sitter. Now that great theologian, great theologian of all, all times, the greatest theologian that I know and that I've read is uh, Mark Twain. He's, <laughs> Mark Twain is the greatest theologian of all time. This is what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said, sitting on the right track will get you killed every time. <laughs> Some of us, all we want to do is come to church and sit. That's all we want to do. I've been there, done that. Well, I'm comfortable. This is a comfortable seat. And I just, I'm just going to come and sit. Well, Brother Art, I heard that you got a little talent in this area. Will you do it? I'm not ready yet. I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm just talking to God about it. I'm not ready yet. And I, that sitting was so comfortable. And I didn't want to get outside the box. I didn't want to get outside my comfort zone. And I just, man, it, I just love going to church. I love going to that church. Nobody bothers me. I just come to the church and they don't, they don't ask me to do nothing. I just get to sit there and then I go home and I feel good about myself because I made up all these things in my mind about, you know, what I, what I did. I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, I tell myself, well, you know, all they have to do is ask me. And when they get close to asking you, you got to run. Oh, I got to go. I got to get some coffee. I got to go. <laughs> you be running. True story. I'm in a church, one of the largest inner city churches in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, getting ready to minister in the service. But prior to that, they had just finished going through Purpose Driven Life. So I decided to come into the sanctuary because the pastor called everybody who was in the Sunday school group into the sanctuary to do that last, uh, last thing of, to close out the Purpose Driven Life. So I'm sitting in the back, true story. So here's a row of seats. And I take the first seat because I always like the outside seat. You, you know, if you ever see me in the church, you'll see me rushing to get the outside because I like to stretch that leg out over there just a little bit longer. But you guys got a lot of room back there, so I guess it really wouldn't matter. I'd just be kicking this person in the back back here because I like to stretch out. So I'm sitting in this chair, and uh, the pastor's talking, and this lady comes into the church. And this woman had a hat that was out of this world. I was, the first thing came to my mind, I said, my mama would love that hat. I, I, I almost wanted to take a picture and say, ooh, mama. I'll send this picture to my mama in Oklahoma. Mama, I saw a lady with a hat on. I know you like that hat. But I didn't do it. I just, I just admired the hat. And, she, and her husband was behind her. So she walks in and she looks at me like that, sitting in this chair. She looks at me like that. And that woman threw her hat up. Walk past me like this. And her husband, he was walking behind her. He was going, <laughs> he looked at me, he goes, <laughs> like that. So he sat here, she sat over there, she sat down. And I said, what's the matter? He looked at me, he was going, <laughs> you're sitting in her chair. You're sitting in her chair. That's what he said. I was like, well, hey, you know, I get up out this chair. So you can have, that's all right, that's all right. This woman had claimed that chair. That was her chair. It had her name on it. It came from her tide. She had claimed that chair, and she was meant to sit in it. Some of us, we got our own seat in this place. We got special chairs. This is my chair over here. This is my side over here. And when you start claiming chairs, you're going to get in trouble every time. You're going to be one of those butt churches. But I have this against you. 
That chair didn't belong to you. <laughs> I want that chair for somebody who may not have heard the gospel. You just let Ed, whosoever will, let him come in. Sitting on the road chair. Listen, in the Proverbs, it says this. Let's take it to another, another, another uh, level. It says, prepare your outside work in the field and afterward build your house. Now, here's, here's a point that, that I'm learning as I, as I minister in churches around the country. I'm learning. God wants us to prepare our work on the outside. That's that go ye therefore. That's discipleship. Go into the world and preach the gospel, proclaiming the message of Christ. God wants us to get up and go. And then after we go, then he wants to prepare our house. But unfortunately, many times what happens is we build these, we erect these huge buildings and we put all this money into these buildings and then we say, if they build, if we build it, they will come. <laughs> Who was that guy? What was his name? Uh, Kevin Costner. I know Gina would know. Kevin Costner. If we build it, they will come. Listen, read that scripture. That ain't Bible. If we build it, they will come is not Bible. That's nothing but Hollywood. But God wants us to prepare our work and prepare ourselves in the outside, prepare, the, prepare your outside work in the field, and then afterward, come and build your house. God, in simple terms, God wants you and I, as his church, to come out of this church and go into our communities. Let me hear you say communities. And go into our communities and proclaim his gospel. Well, how do I do that? Well, you get equipped, you get trained, and you go do that. But above all, if you have a testimony, you got a story to tell. He didn't say go out and save folk, did he? He didn't say, I want you to go out and I want you to save people. That's not what he called us to do. He called us to go out and be his witnesses. And a witness is somebody that says, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Amen. You got a story to tell. A witness is someone who knocks on the door of someone who hadn't been to church in a while and say, you know, I just came to love on you. I hadn't seen you in a while. A witness is someone that just goes and, and how y'all doing in this house? And you find out that, that the baby needs diapers and you get them diapers. You find out that uh, the husband is sick and he needs laying hands on him, needs to be prayed. A witness is someone that comes out of this church and goes into the community and goes and visited, visits folk who have visited our church who haven't been here for a while to check on them. Well, we praying for you in the church. Yeah, you can pray inside all you want. But what are you doing in their home? I remember uh, when, um, when Jill's mother, who passed away at our home when she was sick, our church, the only time they visit her, they visit her one time out of the 12 years that that, that we were caring for her in her sickness. They visit her one time at, at, the, at the moment of her death. And uh, even though we prayed for her and it didn't, we didn't make a big deal of that, but they missed great opportunities to sow into the life of this woman. And you and I can miss great opportunities to sow into the lives of those whom God has entrusted us to be ministers to, entrusted us to love on. Right now, in your mind and in your heart, can you think of someone that you haven't seen in church for a while? That very person may need for you to give them a call and say, how you doing? Can I come over and visit you? You don't need the pastor. You don't need some organized thing to go visit someone. 
I have to slow her down all the time, slow Jita down, because she be going 100 miles an hour. She over here, she over there, she over there. I said, wait a minute, just give me five hours of your time and leave that other stuff alone. Just give me five hours. Because she's always loving on someone. The phone is always ringing. Now, I'm not bragging on her. I'm just using her as an excuse. I mean, not an excuse, but I'm using her as, a, as an example. <laughs> she, she can be used as an example. You need to be, have the type of testimony that you can be used as an example. That's a testimony for Christ. Don't stop looking for opportunities to minister to the individuals in your immediate, in your immediate relationship with. There's people in this church right now that are hurting that need for you to give them a call and say, Nita, how you doing? Hey, man. See, I know Nita. She, I, I praise the Lord for Nita. I remember Nita used to go out there when you guys used to do the, the food bank. That was a, that's a strong ministry. Now, they don't have that anymore out there, but you guys were faithful to do that. And if we were to take testimony of the individuals that went out to that food bank, it would be testimony after testimony of God's power and anointing and blessing from giving. If you find yourself spending more time sitting than going, you need to take off that shoe and you need to repent and you need to just say, Lord, show me how not to be a sitter. He says, if we sit here, we die also. And then there is the getters, the getters. Getters are consumers. What do you have that will help me? What's in it for me? A getter is, show me the money. Amen. You want me to move? You want me to help you? Show me the money. I like what Kennedy said. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. The faithful church. Ask what you can do. Every one of us in here have talents and gifts. We got people who are retired in here that you, you have just so much knowledge. You have so much wisdom. What are you doing with it? Are you sitting on it every Sunday? Or are you saying, how can I serve in my church? Well, I'm waiting for them. They haven't given me any ideas. People don't need to give you. Let God give you an idea. What is God sowing in your heart? Are you spending time with God and finding, well, God, how can I serve you? God will tell you, then you go to the pastor. You say, Pastor Larry, I don't know if we have this going on, that going on. Pastor Larry probably say, will probably say, you know what? That may be a great idea. You lead it up. See, because he's not going to let you put that monkey on his back, which is wise. See, if you got the burden, you need to carry that thing out. But I know Pastor Larry, he'll facilitate it. He'll make sure that you're able to carry out that thing that God is telling you to do. When we get busy carrying out and giving to God, then our community begins to be impacted. And God began to do, he began to bring people who can benefit by your obedience. Michael Rice, Michael Rice is a computer genius. You know what Michael could do? Michael could have a class that teaches young folk in the church how to utilize the computer at high levels. There is nothing that you are doing out in the world that God has gifted you with that you can't begin to help others. Because, see, I know if Michael taught me something, not only will he teach me the technical aspects of it, but he's going to teach me the spiritual connotations around it. He's going to teach me how to be spiritual in a non-spiritual world. 
He's going to minister to me. He's going to mentor me and show me how to be a man of God with the things of the world. You know what your gifts and talents are. You got managers in here. You got bosses in here. We need to take that and channel it and begin to use it for God's glory. We used to say, Pastor Larry, here I am. Send me. Here I am. You got salesmen in your church. You got people who know the business of selling. Not that you need to sell anything. But there's a lot of dynamics when you have the ability to sell. There's a lot of dynamics around the ability to know how to communicate and talk with people. But we've got to stop sitting. We've got to, got to stop saying, gimme, gimme, gimme. And we need to start serving God. Look what it says. They went into the Tissot, the tent, and they ate, and they drank, and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing. I know, Pastor Larry, every time I come here, Pastor Larry brings another good message. Now, I, I'm not, you know, I didn't know he was going to be here, so I'm going to say what I'm going to say, whether he, I thought he was going to be laying on his back. He just happens to be here. He didn't tell me to say this. But I'll submit to you that Pastor Larry has been giving you some good teaching. That's all he does. He's a dynamic teacher. And some of y'all in here, you got that shoe on. All you do is you get fed every Sunday from Pastor Larry, and then you forget about what God has given you until the next Sunday. And then you come back and get fed some more. You're just so fat, you just like this. Ooh, this is good food. More, 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 more. <laughs> they ate and they carried from it. But then, this is the shoe that you and I want to wear. This is the shoe that you can wear. If you're in Christ, you have the power to wear this shoe. These are the gold tellers. Look at what it said. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is the day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until the morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, let us go and tell the king's household. It may be that you're stagnant in your relationship with God. It may be that you just can't move forward. You can't understand why can't I'm just, I'm just oppressed. I'm just, I'm just down. What, what's going on? I, I don't feel the, like my first love. I don't feel the way I felt in the beginning of my relationship with God. What's going on? What's going on? This is the day of good news. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will, let us go until it may be that you're experiencing that aspect of punishment that is without carrying out the will of God. It is called conviction. That level of punishment. You may be convicted. You know God has told you over and over again. You're still not listening. You're just fighting being obedient to God and serving him the way he's calling you to serve him. Or you may not know how, and then your pride is preventing you from going to someone and say, I feel like I want to do this, but I don't know how. Will you help me? A go-teller. This is the shoe you want to put on. If you've had any one of those other shoes, you need to take it off. Look at what happens when you wear the right shoes. Look at what God says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. Does that say if you ask? Does that say if? Listen, when you and I abide in the Lord and live by his word, you and I will be compelled, will be compelled to ask of God. You will be spending so much time with you, you'll be saying, God, we need this in our nursery. You'll be saying, God, we need workers here. You'll be saying, God, I, I, I need this in my family. You'll be compelled to ask of God when you and I obey him and abide in his word and abide in him. Now, so 
out of these four deals, which shoe are you wearing today? What will you be? Will you be a scoffer, a ridiculer? Will Paul, you here? Can you play a little piano for me right here as I wrap it up? Will you be a scoffer? Will you be a ridiculer, a complainer? Is that the shoe you're wearing? Take that shoe off. Right now, just sort of slip. The, nobody's looking, nobody paying attention. Just sort of slip that shoe off. Slip at least one of them off. But, you know, just purpose right now. God, I have been complaining. I have been ridiculed. I, I, I got to stop. I want to take this off right now. Take that shoe off so that God can put on a brand new shoe for you. Maybe you've been a sitter. Maybe all you've done. Well, but I don't know what I can do. And all you do is, I, that's all I can do is sit. I sit and pray. Isn't that good enough? Praying is always good enough. But sitting and praying, you need to put some feet to your prayers. <laughs> God wants us to, yeah, we want you to come in and pray. We don't want you to stop praying. But you got to put some foot to your prayers. So now that you're praying, go to the pastor and he say, you know what? You're such a good prayer warrior. I'm going to put you over the prayer group. I want you to go find three or four other people, and I want you to pull them together, and I got some prayer assignments for you. There's nothing in our repertoire of people of faith that if we don't come to God and say, God, use me today, you'll move beyond the shoe of sitting and then getters, consumers, consumers. Don't be the person who all they do is they come to church and get good teaching, Get warm fuzzies because this church is a warm fuzzy church. You got folk in here just put their arm around you. They love you all the time. You get good smiles and good hellos. That's what I like about this church. Boy, every time I come here, I'm there. Woo, boy, I guess you. <laughs> if I'm out there and I'm having a, a terrible day, I need to come to CBC. Because <laughs> you come to CBC, they're going to put their arms around you. They're going to love on you. But that's a sitter. You need to take that shoe off. And then the getter consumers and then the go-tellers wait a minute let me go back the go-tellers that's where you want they follow the great commission we follow the great commission by starting in our making a point in our mind and our heart to saying here i am lord send me as soon as you settle that issue and say lord however you want to use me in whatever venue in the church you want to use me god will begin to lay upon pastor larry's heart and the leadership of this church, he'll begin to lay upon them a plan to get you out of this church, into the community, and into the homes of individuals who are sick and hurting in your church. Into the lives of people who haven't been here for a while because they're feeling neglected or they're feeling like, you know, nobody loves me. The devil's just gotten, gotten, gotten a stronghold in their minds. God wants you, who are the core of the church, who are the faithful one. He wants his faithful to be faithful and to be his arms and, and his love and, and take his spirit in places. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul said, examine yourself and see if you be in the faith. It's imperative that if we're going to walk in the spirit, that we have the spirit living within us. It's imper imperative that to wear the, 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 uh, the shoe of faith, to be the faithful church, you have to have the church living in you. You need to be, as the Bible says, born again. If you're not a child of God, then you, will, you can do these things, but you operate in the flesh. And they'll have no eternal significance, even though uh, God can use you, whether you are his child or not, he can use you for his glory, but it has no credit for you in heaven. It stays here on this earth. 
And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote to the church who was the church of the way. And he says, look, I know y'all doing some good things. And uh, I know you guys think you know God. But I tell you what, you better examine yourself and see if you be in the faith. Dr. Billy Graham said 85% of the people in church today, today, if they were to die today, they will not go to heaven because they're basing their eternity on something that disqualifies them from heaven. They're basing their eternity on the fact that they pay their tithe. They're basing their eternity on the fact that they got baptized with water. They base their eternity on the fact that my good outweighs my bad. They base their eternity on the fact that I helped build that church. Some people say, I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus. Do you know, just because you believe in Jesus don't mean that you're going to heaven. You say, brother, you better qualify that. I will. Listen, some folk believe in soap and going to die dirty. <laughs> some people believe in soap and don't use it. The Bible says you believe there's one God, the demons believe and tremble. You can have the intellectual knowledge of God. You can intellectually understand the Bible, read the Bible. Intellectually, you could have all that together, but still not have the faith unto salvation. You must be born of spirit, not of your intellect. Where does it say that? And in Romans 8, 9, it says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That's a capital S. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And then God goes on to clarify it. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Not by your power, not by your intellect. Don't let any of that stuff fool you. That's, that's the wrong shoe. The go tell it shoe is a shoe that brings firstly salvation. You can go tell and you'll be compelled to go when God is in your heart and in your life. Now I don't know where you are. But Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father who is in heaven. There won't be any secret agent Christians. You can't sneak in. You can't pretend. And you can't try to put on this shoe, that the, the go-tell-it shoe. You can't try to put it on. You won't get a perfect fit unless the Spirit of God lives in you. Will you bow with me? Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. Thank you for the inspiration of your word today. Thank you, Father, for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, how you watch over us and how you, uh, you are in control. I pray right now with that every knee is bowed in their, their, in their hearts, that every tongue is ready to confess that you are Lord. So if you're here today and you say, Brother Art, as I stop and evaluate my heart, examine my heart, I can't honestly say that the Spirit of God lives in me. I know that uh, I believe a whole lot of stuff, but man, I'm just not inspired. I need, I need to be refired up. I need, I need something that's going to help me to draw closer to God and knowing that I belong to Him. I don't want to question my salvation. I don't want to question my eternity. I want to settle that issue today. If you're here today and you're not certain of your eternity, you're not certain as to whether or not the Spirit of God lives in you. I want you to raise your hand, and when I see it, I'll say amen. You put it back down, and I'll help you to settle that issue this morning. You won't have to pretend you're yourself. You won't have to fight with the devil about who you belong to or anyone else, but you'll be able to settle that issue and begin to put on the right shoe and move forward. Is there anyone here today? Brother Art, I'm just not certain of my eternity. Will you help me? Anyone here today? 
Well, I thank God that everyone here today, hopefully, amen. When you hear amen, put your hand back down. I'm thankful today that everyone uh, here today has that confidence, I hope. But listen, everyone in here will stand before God and we will, we will not be with excuse. If you're not certain of your eternity and you should, well, I'm 99% certain, listen carefully. 99% certain is 100% lost. You're either 100% certain that the Spirit of God lives in you or He's not there. He's either there or He's not there. And if He's not there, God is saying, harden not your heart. If you'll open your heart, He says, I'll come in and I'll sup with you and you with me. All who calls on my name shall be saved. You stand without excuse. Is there anyone else? I'm not certain, Brother Art. I'm just not certain. For those of you who raise your hand, just pray this prayer in your heart. Don't pray it out loud. Whisper it softly in your heart. Just say, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't deserve eternal life, but I want it. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the grave. And today, by an act of my own will, I repent of all my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and save me. I know I don't deserve it, but I thank you for it. According to your promise, my repentance and my acceptance that Jesus died and rose from the grave, that validates my faith in you. I give you my heart. I receive your life. I give you my life. Thank you for saving my soul. In Jesus' name. Now, let me pray for you. Father, you said when one sinner repents, there is rejoicing in the, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels. We know that you're there, and we know that there's rejoicing. Lord, we rejoice also. We rejoice with this day that you've given us and with the message that you've given us that hopefully will inspire and motivate us to get busy ministering on your behalf. Get busy as ambassadors for you ready to carry your word to loved ones, to the community, to the streets, wherever you send us, help us to go. I pray, Father, personally, that you would begin to minister to each individual and help them to rise up to the occasion of using their talents and their gifts. I pray for the leadership of this church that you will give them a vision and, and a mission and goals on how to uh, how to utilize your servants and help your servants to come into uh, a higher relationship with you uh, and a higher relationship in service. And I pray that your blessings would be upon this church like never before. Prosper Pastor Larry. Uh, bless his recovery, Lord, uh, his physical recovery. Bless Mary as she cares for her husband. Bless their children. Bless their household. And Lord, bless this church in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, Pastor Larry. You want to you keep sitting or you want to? Okay. We're ready? Okay. Listen, it's time to go home. And so uh, I want you to hug a neck on your way out. Uh, bless someone today. And whatever God has spoken to you, okay, you get to go home and you get to sort of think about it. And uh, you get to go home and cry about it. You get, but whatever you do, do something about it. After you get over what you got to get over, do something about it and get busy. There's a lot of work to be done in God's church here corporately. Use your talents. Use your gifts. Just be ready and God will do something. God bless y'all and we'll see you.